You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email us, you can reach us at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Got a little snow falling up there in the bay this morning, don't you, Tim? Sure do. Looks like our looks like we got a live shot there <laughs> in the background. People um, going yeah. Live. No, look at that scoreboard. That ain't yeah, no, no, we're a little off. Yeah, <laughs> that's the old scoreboard, but it's okay. Yeah, um, it's no, it's snowing just like that right now. It's kind of like that powdery wet, can't make up its mind if it's rain or snow. Wintery <laughs> mix, as they call it. Um, so winter's here, apparently. Um, but I love it, man. You know, nothing like fall and winter in the Green Bay, man. It's beautiful up here. Got the skating rink open up at Titletown. Uh, it's about that time. Can't wait to get out there. Yeah. No doubt, man. I'll tell you, last year when we were up there in Green Bay, we went the week before Christmas, and we did it intentionally. We wanted to try to catch some of the cold weather. We wanted to take it all in. And uh, we Ubered up to the downtown area. I say the downtown area. It's the older part of the city. It was just on the west bank of the river, the Fox River. And uh, they had a nice little kind of a Christmas village type thing set up, you know, fresh baked stuff. Had some fires going. The snow was flying. We walked probably three or four miles just up and down the street, seeing some of the the bars and stuff like that. It was, it was all. It was a perfect way to kind of get in the Christmas spirit for sure. Um, yeah, Broad, Broadway District. That's is that that's what that is? Cool, cool part of town over there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, all year round, really. But yeah, winter time will be a treat. I haven't gotten to experience that myself. This is uh, our first winter up here, so we'll yeah. be sure to check that out this year. It was awesome. Like I said, it was about a week before Christmas, not the week of Christmas, but the week before. And they just had it was just a it was the coolest little setup, man. Um, so and we were Ubering all over the place. So there was no no worry about the snow, you know, and those people, man, they can drive. I'm just telling you, they know how to drive in the snow up there. It was like no problem. No problem at all. Down here, we get we get flurries and people lose their freaking mind. (laughs) Now, back home in the mountains of Kentucky, totally different. man. these people are 
they're driving around in an 87 Volvo and they're getting around just fine. Right. It just cracks me up. It looks like a third world country over there. But anyway, um, we got Robert Allen in the chat. We got Derek K in the house, Nick McSwain, Carly Ray, um, Cheesehead Murph, the whole crew in here, Boz, Jim Tyson, M. Smitty. Yeah, man, this is this. Uh, there's a God laughs at angle say it. I'm trying not to get <laughs> religious in here, but I'm just going to call him God. God laughs. All right. He's in the house. Appreciate you swinging through and uh, the Badger trio up in here. So it's cool, Tim. Morning show's growing, man. More and more people just tuning in live. You know, that's what we wanted it to be. Us early birds get up and talk a little ball. Um, I do want to say this. Carly Ray in the house says, morning, y'all. I'm on my second cup of, cup of coffee, ready to rock and roll. Tim, you had your diesel yet, man? <clears throat> You're muted. <laughs> Tim said, I got the coffee. I got, but I I got the diesel. I, it hasn't hit me yet. I'm, I was on mute, so I got to wake up here. <laughs> yeah, I've got the diesel, too. You get the day going, baby. That's how you get it going. Um, Let's see here. Badger Trio in the house. Uh, well, hold up, man. Sam giving a shout-out to my homeland. Uh, Kentucky is beautiful, though. It is, man. It's a gorgeous state. Good people up there, too. Um, you know, you get a lot of people joking about just how bad it is. I joke as many as anyone, but I know this. When I moved to Knoxville from that small town in Kentucky, I was there for about a year or two, and I was like, man, I didn't realize just how good the people were. Now, things have changed a little bit, you know, the uh, with the uh, the medical climate, I guess you could say, in the country. And um and opioids and all that crisis that they just pumped into the area. You ever get a chance to watch a documentary, go look up a documentary on how they uh, absolutely demolished uh, the Appalachian mountain area there with uh, forcing that stuff in. And, and again, we're not going to get into a big pharma talk, but it's uh, when it, when it affects you personally, I can feel my ears getting hot, you know, several people, several buddies overdose, mother overdosed. Um, it's uh I don't know. It cuts you deep when you realize it's more about money than uh, than people's lives and lifestyle and how it affects them. So, with that being said, though, Kentucky is beautiful. You're right, man. I mean, that turned dark. Lord have mercy. It's we're, it's a morning show. We're trying to have a good time here. Um, Badger Trio said, watched NFL Plus film of Game Sunday, and man, Love looked more impressive on film than he did in person. So, uh, Badger Trio right there in the house. Seen your pictures too, man. Looked like he had some good seats. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's there's a multi, there's multiple ways of looking at Jordan Love right now, Badger Trio. And what I'm trying to do on this pod is approach it from all angles, right? And it's funny you bring that up, and that's you you're basically steering the ship right in the in the in the perfect direction we want to go this morning with the show. You know, there's some statistics that'll say, dang man, he's a top five quarterback. And then there's other statistics that are just as important, right? That says, man, he's a bottom five quarterback. So we want to cover all the bases, but at the same time, you know, if you want to acknowledge the positive, go at it, you know, be positive about it. If you want to be a little bit critical and go, hey man, I need to see more here. That's totally cool too, right? And that's what we want to bring uh, with this show here. So uh, let's just get right into it. Tim, you found this screen grab. Um, you actually grabbed a screen grab off of Twitter here. And we make sure we want to make sure we give credit for where credit's due. This is Cole on Twitter. Y'all go give him a follow. It's at Rogers XLV champ. Okay. Um, and this is basically what he tweeted out. Tim, you want to kind of set it up? Tell me uh, what, how it caught your eye. And uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting statistic here, man. Absolutely. Uh, it caught my eye because there were a few accounts that kind of, kind of ripped this tweet off and, gotcha. you know, repackaged it as their own. And, I like to dig and find find the first one I saw. So yeah, uh, yeah. Shout out to Cole here. Um, 
It is interesting when you just look at this here. Obviously, this is kind of just yards, touchdowns, and picks, right? But the numbers are astoundingly close. And one of these guys is talked about with great reverence, and another guy is under a microscope and being compared to a first ballot Hall of Famer constantly. And uh, hey, these numbers don't lie. You know, he's got he's got more he's got one more tutty than uh, Jalen Hurts. He's got one more pick too. Um, pretty close on the total yards, but uh, I kind of like the vibe here from uh, from Cole. You know, MVP favorite, and oh, this guy's not the guy. It's like. That's kind of, the, kind of the vibe. It's like, what what does Jordan have to do to get people to believe? Um, other than going into to uh, Motown on Thursday and getting a dub, I think that'll that'll do a lot for uh for him. But um, what do you think, man? This is pretty interesting. I couldn't believe how close these uh, just these these regular season stats so far are between these two. Yeah, you're right. The way he structured the tweet is absolutely per- perfect, man. Like. On the left, Jalen Hurts, basically, for those of you on the pod, it says Jalen Hurts, 2,497 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, nine interceptions, just so you know they're the same age as well. And on the left, it says MVP favorite. And then on the right, it says he's not the guy. And it's Jordan Love, same exact age, 25 years old, um, 2,331 yards, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. So he's got one more tutter and one more interception, like Tim said, a few less yards. I think it says a lot. Now, what Jalen Hurts, and again, this is me being the analytical person. I'm not saying this stat don't matter. I think this is huge. Like when you sent it to me, I grinned and went, look at this. All right. Um, you look at some of the rushing stats and, and how they attack with that RPR system, that you know, six back offense in Philly. Jalen Hurts brings that dynamic to the table as well, right? Not that Jordan can't run, but you can tell we're always looking to pass first, pass first, pass first. Um, so I'm gonna get off topic a little bit, but immediately triggered in my mind I think of the the brotherly shove right that they do and of course we we have the love shove that we're kind of holding off on doing for whatever reason we want to run end rounds on third and one um but with that being said um I don't know if you've seen the screen grab or not last night Tim but somebody did a screen grab and did a line of scrimmage their guards helmet helmets were past the ball as well so they oh yeah didn't get, they didn't get called for it again so it's funny how the the team that's quote unquote perfected the play hasn't gotten penalized to the best of my knowledge, but the team who hasn't run at one time to the best of my knowledge as well, we might've ran it once. We can't run it because they flag us because our guards are lined up in the same exact spot as uh, the Eagles. But anyway, this is about Jordan Love. <laughs> That's really, really cool though. The age and everything as well. Obviously Jalen Hurts has played more games um, with Jordan sitting on the bench, but uh, also look at the measurables, man. Pretty impressive. You got Jalen Hurts, 6'1", 223. You got uh, Jordan Love, 6'4", 219. So, obviously, uh, much taller, three inches taller than Jalen Hurts. Um, although, I, I think we would all agree, like I said, Jalen Hurts is more of a dual threat than, than Jordan is. But uh, good stuff, Tim. I, I appreciate you sharing that, man. Oh, yeah, man. I, I'm happy to happy to share it when I see it, right? You see it, you got to say it. And uh, this, this perked me up this morning. This was good with the coffee, you know. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to uh, – Rogers XLV champ on Twitter. Good stuff, yeah. man. Yeah, that's uh that's really good stuff, man. There's some great follows on Twitter. And, and don't get me wrong, you can be a cesspool. Last night yeah. I put a tweet out about MVS. I told you this offline. It's frustrating, man, because like I'm sure people stole this off of this guy. Happens every day on Twitter. When we're all watching the same content too, sometimes things are gonna get tweeted out like oh, simultaneously. I, yeah. I was sitting on the couch last night with with my wife, you know, we're watching the game 
And as soon as I see MVS drop that ball, first of all, I felt bad about tweeting it, but then I'm like, you know what, man, at some point we got to be able to tweet and just have a good time. Right. Cause I, I don't like to bash players, but all I pointed, all I did was the Leo DiCaprio one, the one we use on the show all the time and him pointing and whistling. Right. And I said, uh, um, something along the lines of uh, Packers fans watching MVS drop a uh, drop a, a deep pass with five yards of separation, and it blew up right. Which Twitter's ex- absolutely cooking right now. And all of a sudden, I get tagged about an hour later, and they said, uh, "Looks like Nagler did it one one minute before you." Hmm. I'm like, what? What? And so I'll go over to Aaron Nagler's Twitter, and he just posted the GIF of him pointing, and obviously everybody knew what it meant. So the guy was insinuating that I stole it from him the minute that Nagler posted it. And I was just like, why does Twitter got to be like this? And, and, you know, if I had noticed it, I would have said, man, Nags beat me to the punch. Right. But this guy making it sound like I just went over there, poured it off and Nagler posted it myself, stole his idea. And I'm going, I, I literally just logged off. I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> you can't, yeah, well. <laughs> we can't have anything in 2023, <laughs> but love the work they do over there. Love, uh, following them and everything. I just didn't happen to see that one. It is what it is. But anyway, just so you guys know, those those Twitter streets are mean out there. You got to be careful. All right? Yeah. And watch careful. out for the Twitter police too. True. That that's do they get the instant block from me. Yeah. Someone hops I, on I support law it. enforcement. I just don't support Twitter Twitter law enforcement. Yeah, the real law enforcement. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, I it, there's nothing more aggravating than you going on Twitter thinking, man, let's see what everybody's tweeting about. Let's, okay, so-and-so tweeted this. And we love, we try our best to give shout-outs like we're doing with Cole here, right? Um, and, you know, Ryan Wood, like I said, great follow. We love Paul Brettel, all these guys. We love sharing their content on the show. Um, but, man, sometimes you just go in there and go, man, let me tweet out about this. And here they come telling you how to think. Not, not those guys, just people in general. It's like, how dare you have an opinion like that that differs from mine? Get out of here, dude. Instant block. Move on. So it's literally, like I said, it's like knocking on somebody's front door and going, hey, what are y'all talking about in there? Y'all are stupid. <laughs> Shut right? See if you don't get punched in the mouth in the real world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Dennis Shook in the house said, hey, Clayton and Tim, have you guys ever reached out to Andy Herman to try to get him on the show? I'd love to hear you guys chat pack. We have uh, – Andy's actually been on the show. Andy's another great follow. Um, one of the guys I have a lot of respect for Andy is like, for me, he's the training camp guy, dude. When training camp kicks off, I literally go through and clean up the notifications. I turn all notifications off and I turn Andy Herman's on. And then I slowly build those notifications back up because Andy is the man. We need to get him back on. He was supposed to come back on, but he was completely covered up with camp, trying to cover the team, do his podcast. His thing is cooking over there. I mean, he's got an awesome, awesome show going. Um, so, uh, when I reached out to him, he said, hey, man, hit me up after camp. I just never got around to hitting him up after camp. We need to do that and have him on because he's, uh, like I said, he's one of the one of the people um, on Twitter and just throughout Packers, uh, uh, Packers fanhood that uh, do a great job, you know, covering the team for sure. So we'll, we'll do that. We'll try to get him back on there. And it's good to see you in here, Dennis, member of the PTA posse for sure. Zane Strong says good morning to the posse. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Read that for me. I don't even know if I could say that word. Is it caustic? Is that right? Yep. See, what what does that word mean, team? Ca- yeah. Caustic, caustic place. Uh, we need to search it. See, listen, guys, you got to stop using those important words. Just say it's toxic. Say it's a bad place. Chad in here trying to trying to expose our lack of intelligence as a podcast host, right? Um, <laughs> Carly Ray says Twitter is- vocabulary is good. I don't know about the rest of the vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, isn't it funny? I can tell you every 
every single code symbol tag saying for anything in a football play, but they put a two syllable word in here. And I, I don't know what the hell that means. I have no clue, man. No, shows you a, you are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. And you become what you focus on. <laughs> I'm, I am, I have no interest whatsoever in becoming more intelligent outside of football. And that's, that's a bad thing. Uh, Carly Ray in the chat says Twitter is only about 13% new content. Anyway, most of it is the same stuff retweeted or quoted over and over. It's that's it. And we all watch the same game. We watch the same plays and we want to share those same plays. And then when you share them, you know, I've seen people share stuff. They've actually pulled my videos and shared them. Guys, I want anyone who can hear my voice on the podcast, who's in the chat, who's watching on YouTube, listen to me, anything I share, anything I share on Twitter, YouTube, anything. You have full freedom to rip that video and use it yourself. Because to me, this isn't about I'm better than someone else. This is about us talking Packers and just having a good time. So I mean, anybody, you're you're welcome. Go ahead. I think some people forget what sharing means, right? Yeah. We we share that that would imply that it's for everybody. You're you're sharing it. So if you if you don't want it to be for everyone, maybe you shouldn't share it, right? Yeah. Seriously, if you're afraid that someone else is, and there's some people that get mad when you quote tweet, it's like that, that's what quote, right there. Like, what are you talking now? If you quote tweet to, to dunk on somebody, like, let me take his comment, make it my conversation. I'm going to insult him. I totally get it. That's you shouldn't insult anybody anyway. You should just move on. But anyway, we're off our soapbox. Let's talk Packers here. Um, again, that was a really cool stat. Appreciate you uh, sharing that, Tim. Um, I want to point this out now. SIS's data isn't completely up to date, but this gives you kind of a good a good idea of where Jordan Love is and some of the other key statistics like we were talking about. He's right on par with uh, with Jalen Hurts when it comes to touchdowns and interceptions and yardage, right, passing yardage. So when we look at passer rating across the league, um, Jordan Love is currently 30th, and this is one of those stats I'm talking about, Tim, where it's like, okay, you know, there you, you can – not that you were cherry picking. It's real easy to cherry pick to go, okay, let's prove a point here, right? It's the same way with me. If I just showed you guys this passer rating, right, and I believe this may have been before the last game, um, if I just showed you guys this passer rating and didn't mention the touchdowns and interceptions, I'm cherry picking, right? So it's important to tell the whole story. But, again, he grades out 30th there. Now, why does he grade out so low? The interceptions are a little high, although 16 and 10, that's that's awesome that he's, he's starting to separate himself there a little bit. Um, you know, pull away with the touchdowns, uh, away from the interceptions. When you talk about accuracy, that's what brings it down as well. So when we look at accuracy, his on-target percentage, okay, on-target means you hit the – you couldn't have thrown a better pass. You hit the receiver in stride. I mean, it just a perfect pass with the passes def- uh, defended removed, okay. He's currently 32nd in on-target percentage, okay. So what we would consider dead last among starting quarterbacks – in on-target percentage, so the accuracy is still an issue. Now, when you go to catchable balls, that's a little more lenient. That's okay. The, the receiver should be able to catch that ball. It wasn't on target necessarily, but it was catchable, okay? He's 26, so you see a little more leniency there, right? So what it comes down to with Jordan Love is you've got you've got to get better with the accuracy. They've got to make sure that that's, that's the top priority when it comes to Jordan Love's game. You see the playmaking ability. I shared the video on Twitter where he threw off platform, broke the sack, all those things. Just does a phenomenal job um, in that regard. He seems to have pretty good pocket awareness. The part I'm nervous about, Tim, is he's a little too confident in the pocket sometimes, and he holds on to the ball. And and you've seen that strip sack. We 
we called that on the on the pregame show in the in the night before. It's like this team loves strip sacks, right? If he's going to sit back there and be reckless in the pocket, probably going to get one. Luckily, we recovered it though. Um, as far as catchable, uh, the uh, catchable passes. That's how that sits. Now, some people say, well, he's got a garbage offensive line, right? That's actually wrong. So now, with the with the newest information, to the best of my day, best of my knowledge, this has been updated. He is the fourth least pressured quarterback in the NFL. Tua Tungabailoa at 26.7%, Dak Prescott at 26.7%, Josh Allen at 28.4%, then Jordan Love at 28.7%. So you can see uh, it's not the pressure that's causing him to be inaccurate. So uh, just something worth noting there. Tim, anything stick out to you when it comes to those stats with Jordan Love, man? Yeah, he's a first-year starter processing the game. That's that's what we're seeing. That's I think that plays about. into the accuracy big time, Tim. I really do, man. Yeah, that's what we talked about going into the season. We talked about it as far back as OTAs. Um, you know, he's a he's a first-year starter. Um, we're not absolving him of of anything. It's just, it, you know, I hate this term, but it is what it is, as they say. And um, we've seen progress. Are, are, are the numbers across the board where we want them to be? No, but, you know, they will be. I, I have faith that they will be. And um, you're right, though. This is not entirely on this offensive line because the one thing they seem to do well is is protect our quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Jordan is going to learn. You know, I've said this before. I think with time, he's going to learn. That internal clock is going to start. It's going to get louder. That alarm's going to get louder. And that that timing and that sense of I've got to get rid of it or I got to get out of here. I think he's going to hone that because you see veteran quarterbacks, that's like automatic to them. I mean, Mahomes is a great example. That guy just knows when it's time to extend it, when it's time to throw it away, when it's time to tuck and run. And, you know, Jordan is honing that right now as he works his way through his first uh, first season as a starter. Now, as far as the accuracy goes, I'm a big believer that those things go hand in hand. If you're not in rhythm and it's not getting out in time, it's harder to be accurate. Uh, if you're throwing the ball in rhythm, you're timing your receiver's route, you're putting that ball where your receiver's going to be, not where he is, those kind of things. We saw a great ball to Christian Watson on that play that we uh, we broke down yesterday that they drew up right there, you know, Sandlot style on the sidelines and just, just ran it. Uh, Jordan threw a great in-rhythm ball, dropped it right in the bucket. It was a thing of beauty. You know, we're seeing that. You see one step forward, one step back now. It it was kind of the other way. It was almost two steps back earlier in the year. Um, I think his, uh, you know, his play is ascending, and that's what we want to see. You know, I, yeah, kind of cherry-picking stats when you compare him to, to Jalen Hurts a little bit. Um, I appreciate the in-depth breakdown, and we can balance this out. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think time will tell with Jordan. You know, I understand the people who feel like he's not the guy. I, I get where you're coming from. But, right. you know, there's a lot here to think that he is the guy and that he can play at this level. Uh, and we have to give him that chance. You know, there's there's still football left and a chance to really close out this this first season as a starter on a, on a high note here. Um, and it starts with a win on Turkey Day. So go Jay Money. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to the, the statistics and what's more important, than the others, you know, like, uh, like God laughs points out in here. He says, you know, hurts passing percentage is 68.5%. Love's passing percentage is uh 59.8%. So when has the completion percentage, right? Ever won a ball game. That's the other thing. And you really got to take that into consideration. I know, I know it sounds silly, but you know, what's more important throwing touchdown passes 
or the accuracy, right? The accuracy is probably the most important thing a quarterback can have, right? But you're not going to get me, not that you're trying to do this, but you're not going to get me convinced that, ah, you know what, if if he had 18 touchdowns and three interceptions, but his completion percentage was 59%, nobody would be even talking about it, right? It's just the completion percentage typically – Typically, you can dig and go, okay, why is why is a quarterback struggling or maybe not overcoming that hurdle? That's that's one of the statistics you look at and go, yep, there it is. All right, so that's you're identifying, okay, what does he need to work on? What does he need to improve on to be that quarterback of the future? Derek K in the chat said he's being more decisive now. I completely agree with that. Um, he also says uh, he's getting a lot more decisive, faster decisions, next better uh, better accuracy, one thing at a time. Yeah, and he's he's definitely way more comfortable now, way more comfortable. Let's see what Carly Ray says. Anytime you start off with, I am not hating here, this is going to be a good comment. Um, but if you want to see a quarterback whose decision-making was has not improved with the playing, look at Zach Wilson. Jordan is showing improvement. That's promising. Zach Wilson is a – man, it's a, it's a dumpster fire. That dude – I think it's important to understand, too, like – We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. You know, I've been as critical as anyone on the run blocking of this offensive line, right, for the Packers. But you could tell that Goody has built the offensive line with the with the foundation of we're pass blockers first and foremost, right? The New York Jets is kind of the opposite. One of the worst pass blocking, you know, offensive lines in the league. And what happens? Your your quarterback gets beat up, he gets gun shy, he starts seeing ghosts, all those things that you hear, all the cliches you hear on NFL films. But it's so true, Carly. It is. So um I think that plays a lot into Zach Wilson. What's that? He lost his job. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what happens, right? Remember David Carr back in the day, Derek Carr's brother, number one overall pick for the franchise Houston Texans? That dude was one of the most accurate passers coming out of college. He goes in there and plays behind a crap offensive line, gets beat to death for three or four years, and he's done. He's out of the league. Like, it's a real thing. Um, So I'm not saying it's – I'm not sitting there making excuses for Zach Wilson. He has not performed. There's no doubt about it. But you're right, Carly. You're spot on. Jordan, Jordan showing improvement. Zach Wilson – has not, and I don't think that's hating at all. It's okay to say what you see on this show, right? As long mm-hmm. as you kind of do it in a respectful manner. Um, but yeah, it's uh, 
that's a tough look over there uh, with the Jets, man. They put all their all their eggs in that basket with Rodgers and bring everybody in. And then uh, somebody said there was a video of Alan Lazard dancing on the sideline in the background while they were losing too. I thought, what is that? That sounds that's like culture is absolutely crap, man. Yikes. Yeah. And and uh, you know, to your point, we saw Tim Boyle come into that game and I don't like what did he do that was miraculously spectacular? You know, a bad bad pass pro is bad pass pro. It yeah. affects quarterbacks in different ways. Um, I will say Boyle being a little bit more of a veteran will probably help them run their offense a little better, but I don't anticipate a drastic change in how they're how they're executing on offense, you know. Yeah. You know, and the way my mind fires when it comes to these type of conversations is I, I do this every year. I go dig through the numbers, the team statistics, and go, okay, what what teams are having success, what teams are not, right, when it comes to, say, like a, uh, you know, your, your passing attack, your running attack. Okay, now what scheme do they run? I always kind of approach it like that. And when you look at it from that perspective, you can kind of see the leagues catching on to some different offenses. So what I seen with Nathaniel Hackett was – Obviously, Rodgers wins the MVP with Nathaniel Hackett here in 2021, right? He leaves, and in 2022, our offense falls off a bit, but there was still, there was still a, good, a good sample size of that Nathaniel Hackett offense, but it started going in the direction of Matt LaFleur's offense. No one believed me, and they were completely sold that when we came into this year, there was going to be a ton more motion. There was, they were going to get rid of the shotgun sets. Um, all of these things, there was going to be no more, you know, they, they just felt like the offense was now this is going to be Matt LaFleur's offense. Now it is Matt LaFleur's offense, right? But what I was saying last year, the league has caught on. I did like a, a little case study on like six or seven teams that run a similar scheme and the league had caught on. And the only ones people would immediately say, well, look at San Francisco, look at Miami. I'm going, they're not running the same offense. The structure, the skeleton aspect, absolutely. But they lean on 21 personnel. They lean on 21 personnel. And first of all, Miami's got two number one wide receivers, right? So when you looked at San Francisco, the 21 personnel, oh, by the way, they've got Kyle Juszczyk. They've got uh, George Kittle. They've got Debo Samuel, right? And, you know, when you looked at other teams that were running something similar, like the Rams that the Packers are running, you could see it starting to taper off. So Nathaniel Hackett goes to Denver gets his butt handed to him, gets fired midseason, right? Comes to the Jets, brings the same offense, gets his butt handed to him. That RPO game, the teams have caught on. You could see them catch on in Detroit last year with the Packers and the Lions, Tim. It was huge. It was absolutely huge. That was um, evident last night. Kansas City was all over that last yeah. night. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see the cyclical nature of the league, and it's important to kind of keep up with, okay, where are the adjustments being made, this and that. It's like with the Packers, right? And – you know, we, we're wanting more 11 personnel. They're staying in 12. When you look at the success rate, the success rate with 12 is actually going up now with 12 personnel. But I think that has a lot to do with Tucker Craft kind of coming in his own a little bit. And, again, I don't think anyone would say they would rather see Tucker Craft on the field than Jaden Reed, right? And that's you got to get your best 11 out there the best way you can. Josh Martin, thank you for the super chat, buddy. He said, if you, choose, if you had to choose to be our quarterback the next five years, choices are Zach Wilson, or Mike Jones, Ooh, who are you picking and why? I'm probably going to take a break from football for a little bit. If uh, too short. Yeah. But if we have to choose, I've watched a lot of the Patriots. Um, let's go through it. Zach Wilson was this raw talent, right? He had uh, incredible arm talent, 
very mobile, very agile, could throw off platform, all of those things, right, that everybody sold him as. Mac Jones was the game manager, extremely accurate, really good at processing information. He was the guy who was going to play within the system. Both of them have failed miserably. And what I mean by that is Zach Wilson has made stupid mistakes over and over and over behind a bad offensive line, right? Uh, Mac Jones has been somewhat inaccurate in key moments, but also made horrible decisions throwing interceptions. I'm surprised he didn't get benched earlier, right? Um, you know, Bailey Zappi came in last year and performed a little bit better than Mac. Then he hit the wall. There's a lot of things going on in New England. That's not the pod- This is not the podcast for it, nor do we even have the time in an hour to cover everything. I've followed it really, really closely. But if I have to choose between Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, man, I'm probably going Mac Jones. And the the tilting factor is you remember last year when they asked Zach, uh, do you feel responsible for this loss because the offense is struggling? He said no, like he didn't want to take ownership. Mac doesn't have that in him. Mac has a little more of the I'm going to put it on me, I'm going to put it on me. So that would tilt it a little bit in Mac's favor over Zach's, in my opinion. But I also feel like Mac Jones's overall career stats are probably a lot better than Zach Wilson. But, Tim, how would you answer that question, man? Yeah, the same way you did. Um, I'm not going to get too creative here. Um, I would like neither <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but, yeah, if I had to, and thanks for the super chat, Josh, since I do have to now. Um, yeah, I'll go with Mac Jones. Um, he seems like um, – Slightly better leader as a quarterback, I guess. Um, you know, I'm not well-versed in either of these guys, but Zach Wilson looks like, I'm not going to say toxic for a locker room, but definitely not not the type of QB I would want on running my offense for sure. So I would, uh, I'd probably lean towards Mac Jones as well, especially here in Green Bay because, you know, we have a system. We have LaFleur and some of these things he's trying to do. So, you know, a guy that's willing to play within it, yeah, I would lean towards uh, Mac Jones for sure. Yeah, and you know that's not my like honest answer that I want to give you. You know, when you ask, you have to pick Zach Zach Wilson or Mac Jones. Which one? I go no. That's all I yeah, was like, no. no. <laughs> so um, let's see. Your Chad Inc. says he's a new member of the PTA posse. I know people were kind of re-upping those, so uh, congratulations on that, Chad. Again, we'll make sure you're in the next giveaway. The next giveaway, I think we're going to do a Dorsey Levin's jersey. Nice. Um, got one of those that we're going to give away. So we're going to start dipping into the 90s Packers a little bit. I got a Mark Chamora back there. Um, I got an Antonio Freeman, I believe. So we'll get into some of the 90s stuff. And then we got another Paul Horning one we got to give away soon, too. So I uh, appreciate it, though, Chad. appreciate you uh, being a member of the, of the posse, man, um, jumping back in there. So let's do this, man. We are 32 minutes in, and the chat has absolutely controlled Look at this. Look at Carly Ray. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord what happened you said hey, josh you spent five dollars on that question <laughs> <laughs> then she did the puking emoji right <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that's oh, josh just supporting the stream there we appreciate it. i, I kind of like those questions too though you know yeah um, oh yeah just to kind of i think sometimes it's important to to step out of the packers bubble for a minute and go okay what's going on in the rest of the league because sometimes things can be so bad you think we're the only team that's going through this or things can be so good that you think, oh, they're you know, no one else in the league can compete with us, right? We haven't been there in a while, but um, yeah, so I, I kind of like those for sure. I agree, Derek. Uh, Dorsey Levens, one of the unsung heroes there in that '96 championship for sure, man. Um, all right, so let's do this. Let's continue to dive into the stats. We covered the love stuff, right? Kind of talked about his his passer rating. We talked about his accuracy issues. We talked about the fact he's really not being pressured much. What about his pass catchers, Tim? Let's dig into this a little bit, man. So. 
I did things a little bit different. Normally what I do is I remove the running backs, but I, I again, I'm, I'm constantly trying to look at things from different angles to try to get the whole story. So what I did was I left the running backs into this filter. So you've got wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs all included in these next statistics for pass catchers, okay? So this first one is Packers receiver rating, okay? So essentially what the receiver rating is, the passer rating when the quarterback targets that receiver, okay? So on the Packers roster alone, Jaden Reed leads the way at 110.2 passer rating. Um, Dontavian Wicks, 107.6 passer rating in second place. Third place, Luke Musgrave, 102.2. A.J. Dillon in fourth at 94.5. Then Romeo Dobbs at 92.9. Aaron Jones at 89.4. Uh, Patrick Taylor at 56.3. The minimum uh, targets, too, is 10, by the way. Then Christian Watson at 45.5. And I know people were asking what happened to Samori Torre. He's only got 11 targets, but you see why he's not seeing the field. 25.6. Uh, receiver rating, which is essentially the passer rating when targeted. Okay. Um, those are on the current Packers roster. Now, some people were going, oh, I don't care too much about the rating. I think it's an important stat because it shows how efficient the quarterback is when he um, basically targets those players. Another thing too, if you look in the the column there toward the middle where it says completion percentage, Tim, look at the one that really sticks out. Musgrave, 73.3% of the passes thrown to Musgrave are being completed when Jordan Love targets him. That's really, really exciting. Now let's go to um, passing yards per target, okay? So how many yards are they averaging every time they're targeted? doesn't mean they have to catch it. It means when you target them, right? How many yards are they averaging when you uh, when you compile all that out, right? Dontavian Wicks, 10.3 yards per target. Jaden Reed, 9.1. Luke Musgrave, 7.6. A.J. Dillon, 7. Christian Watson, 6.9. Romeo Dobbs, 6.1. Aaron Jones, 5.6. Samori Torrey, 5.6. And Patrick Taylor, 2.8. So you see right there again, go back to the passer rating. Jaden Reed is at the top of 110.2. He's kind of your go-to guy in a clutch situation. Dontavian Wicks, 107.6. Then when you go to yards per attempt, or yards per target, I'm sorry, Dontavian Wicks is at the top at 10.3. Jaden Reed is second at 9.1. Man, I think the future's bright for these pass catchers, Tim. I agree. And this also, you know, seeing that makes me kind of kind of change my approach here. I had made a comment the other day when we we uh, saw that Patrick Taylor is now a Green Bay Packer again and mm -hmm. will probably play on Thursday. My thought was, oh, they're going to they're going to get him involved uh, in the passing game and, uh, you know, lean on Dylan to carry the football in the run game. And I'm sitting here looking at this going maybe we pass to Dylan a little bit more. <laughs> and it's what we were saying on the post-game show, man. Yeah. People, are, people are down on him for the running ability. I understand that's what he's paid to do, but he's been really a lot better in the passing game this year, man. Absolutely. And, you know, that's not to take anything away from uh, Patrick Taylor. I don't I don't think we've seen enough. We've, we've got sprinkles of him in this offense, you know, um, but at least there's familiarity there with uh, with what we're doing here in Green Bay. I think – that's the reason they they picked him up off of uh, New England's practice squad, I believe it was. So, uh, you know, he should be able to come in here and at least be effective in our offense. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to take anything away from from A.J. Dillon. Uh, clearly, um, you know, he brings some versatility to the game that is something that we don't really notice. Um, we saw it a little bit on uh, Sunday, though. Hopefully we see more of it. Um, and, hey, maybe Patrick Taylor will be a, 
you know, will shock us and break off some chunk runs here because um, we're going to have to at least have some semblance of a run game uh, in order to get it going against the Lions. Yeah, I completely agree. Derek K in the chat said, let the read era begin. I'm telling you, man, he's looking like a looking like a stud. Got to give Goody credit for that pick, man. What a great, great draft pick. Oh, really, all three of those guys. Uh, I'm telling you, Dontavian Wicks is probably the one I'm most excited about. I can't wait to do Chalk Talk later today. Um, there's a couple plays where he's just a dog, man. Catching on, on a deep curl and just, I mean, breaking tackles. And if he if he breaks that one for a touchdown, I'm – losing my mind he barely got chased from behind but what were you gonna say Tim talk about a guy that you send in motion pre-snap and you can just watch the defense start to kind of wet their pants a little they have to they have to account for this guy you know one of the things that um you know I learned you know just by being here um is watching that like you always say watch that pre-snap motion and look at how the defense reacts right are they are they sliding a guy with him or, you know, we can get a we can kind of tip, get a tip of the hand as to what the defense is trying to do when we send a guy in motion. And it didn't seem to matter whether they were playing zone or they decided to, you know, go man on demand or whatever they were doing. Um, Reed was just torching these guys. And, um, yeah. you know, motion works. It works better when the defense believes that you're going to give that guy the ball and they have to react. And, um, you know, as we saw with that with that tutter to to Christian Watson, whether it was Wicks or Reed on that play, that that pre snap motion really set up that entire play. You know, we broke that down yesterday. I thought that was phenomenal, and looking forward to seeing more of it. Yeah, when you get that quick motion, they get a full head of steam. They can hit that route and go anywhere. The DB starting from a standstill, right? Yeah. And that guy is just—I mean—he's motoring. It was set up perfect, man. Absolutely. Yeah, and the defense perfect. is is always reacting, right? They have to play from a reactionary position and so you know a good offense will give that defense a lot of a lot of crap to react to um and you know motion like that can help especially with players like reed and wicks and you know quite honestly christian watson too we can run him on those we've done it in the past we haven't seen much of that uh this year um but i think they're still trying to find um the best way to utilize uh, him in our offense and um you know we'll see yeah um Badger Trio in here says, I want to see more craft. He looks explosive on that that pass. That touchdown was overturned. It was uh listen, I have not been a Tucker Craft fan this year. I love his I love his energy. I love his attitude. That picture of him doing the Lambo leap, he looked like he fit right in with that crowd. If you took his uniform off, you'd be like, Yeah, that dude's three sheets to the wind. He's been drinking a few. He just I love everything about Tucker Craft, but it just – I haven't seen it, you know what I mean? There's been times this year whiffing, you know, trying to tackle a defender rather than block on things like that. But, man, when he got that ball in his hand, Tim, you seen the explosiveness that he went down the sideline. It looked like a freaking video game hurdling that guy, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then afterwards he tweeted out these these big, goofy craft feet uh, got in the way or something like that. Um, he just seems like a fun-loving guy. I'm, I'm eager to uh, see him grow as well there, Badger Trio, for sure. We got a lot of news breaking in here we'll get to here in just a second. Um, across the league. Uh, let's see. Uh, this uh, God Laughs says uh, Wicks is the Packers' slowest receiver, but he gets open. Um, yeah, he's, he's he's not as quick as – I would say him and Romeo Dobbs are pretty close, in my opinion, at least game speed. I'm sure Dobby had a, a better 40-yard dash, but I really don't look at anything like uh, – um, you know, I really don't look at anything like – I don't know. Once you put the pads on, I think these guys kind of – show their true speed, if you will. And to me, Wicks looks like he's got game speed. And that's probably what uh probably what he's seen, you know, um, what Goody's seen going into the draft. 
But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I see your comment there, Tim. Appreciate you, buddy. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. This is the news I wanted to hit on real quick, and then we'll get back to the Packers talk. So Josh Martin just uh, just put a chat in here and said, Matt Canada fired in Pittsburgh, another OC gone midseason. That one's been coming for a while. Um, of course, they played the Packers and and get the dub and bought him a little more time. But, uh, yeah, been expecting that one all year long. I don't know if you guys watch the McAfee show, but every live broadcast he does because Tone Diggs is on the set and he's a big Pittsburgh fan, that literally the crowd starts chanting, fire Matt Canada. <laughs> like, they'll be on a college campus somewhere, Tim, for college game day, basically, and they start chanting, fire Matt Canada. So, I got their wish. Matt Canada's gone. Now let's see if the offense improves or if they just look up and go, well, crap, that didn't do anything, right? Nope. Um, I don't – I can't think of one person that's defending him, though. I really can't. So he must be uh, must be kind of universal. People don't like uh, the way he calls games. But uh, let's see here. Uh, Chad Inc. says, Wicks really understands routes and releases. His release package is phenomenal. Um, the way that he takes time for that extra that extra second um, is uh, is awesome. Like just the way he breaks down as he approaches the defender. Even the way he comes out of the stem at the top of the stem, the top of the route right there at the break point, he just – you could tell his mind while he's moving at an incredible rate of speed, his mind is firing in a way of, okay, I'm going to set this guy's okay, shoulders inside. Let's give him a little jab, turn him around. Like he's going to be an excellent route runner. Um, again, I don't, I don't want to compare him to, uh, to, you know, a future first ballot hall of famer in uh, Devonte Adams, but you see a lot of those similarities for sure. You really do. But what do you think of Tay Wicks, man? You excited about him too? An absolute steal, man. And uh, hopefully a guy that, plays his entire career here i'm just gonna go ahead and say it i think i've seen enough right i mean i'd like him to be here for the foreseeable future um of course you know we'll see as we go forward i mean we talked about the sophomore slump that can be a real thing not saying that's gonna happen but tay wicks is the real deal i i think honestly um and uh only time will tell the more involved he gets in this offense um Kind of stink that he's probably not going to play Thursday, right? But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I think he's got a bright future in this league and and in this offense here in Green Bay. Hopefully, he's one of those pieces that they hang on to here uh, long term. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, same thing with Reed, right? You know, we got we got the got him on that rookie deal. So uh, let's see what kind of production we get, and uh, hopefully, these guys hang around. Yeah. Um, God laughs in the uh, chat says Wicks is slower than four, six. Let me ask you this, man. Would you rather have, um, a uh, faster 40 time and less production? I know I would, <laughs> I, I want points on the board, man. I could okay. care less how fast they ran in their underwear. That's just me personally. Now we've seen how fast guys can, can, uh, you know, be a liability sometimes if they can't run a route and they can't catch the ball, what difference does it make how fast they are? Right. Yeah. Um, no doubt. Marco Day in the chat said, any news on that Jones injury, man? I wish we had it. I said, Tim, have you seen anything? No, the last, last I saw was an MRI yesterday. Um, so I don't, I don't no know. No results, though, right? No results. I, I, I would think they have the results. Right, right. right. You know? but, <laughs> they uh, watched the MRI. Yeah, we'll try it again tomorrow, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and Jonesy himself made the comment about, you know, he was twisted up. You know, he got twisted up on that play. Apparently they ruled out ACL based on the tests that they did. So they're going with, it's not an ACL. So I don't, I mean, that's good news. Of course, there's other ligaments in that knee that could 
could also be busted up. So hopefully uh, the MRI is good. But yeah, I haven't heard anything official. I've been, you know, doom scrolling uh, Packers.com here looking for an update. But uh, <laughs> yeah. hopefully Jonesy's all right, man. Yeah, Derek K. I don't know if there. I don't know if he has any factual information. He says it's a sprain. I think I did hear someone else talking about that as well. It's just what level of sprain is it? That's what's going to determine, right? I think they got three levels of sprains. I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on Green Acres. All right, so I ain't going to comment on the matter. But uh, yeah, um, Nick McSwain said, "Why does speed matter at all? If pro- uh, productivity is there, absolutely." And like God says, uh, God's laugh says. And the chat says, I'd rather have faster speed and more production. Of course you would, right? Sure. We're dogging on a guy right now because his 40-yard dash, when he's producing on the field, he's actually doing the opposite, right? And yep. I mean, look, fan how you want a fan, unless I'm misunderstanding you. Um, Tay Wicks has been excellent so far, you know? So um, keep it going, <laughs> especially yeah. for a late-round pick. They, the same stuff was said about Devontae Adams. Same exact thing. Absolutely. You know? Um. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about our pass catchers across the entire league. And, again, I sorted it with the running back included, the tight end included, because I wanted I wanted to see how these numbers stacked up from a sense of are they starting caliber. So, basically, when you're in 11 personnel, Tim, you've got five pa- pass catchers, right? you got three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back, five. So, five times whatever, 32, you come up to 160. So anybody in the top 160 would be deemed starting caliber, right, starting quality, if you will, in these numbers. Um, So let's kind of look at how they shake out here. So when you look at passer rating, okay, passer rating when targeted, which is essentially the receiver rating, the first one comes in, Jaden Reed, 27th in the entire National Football League at 112.9. And, again, these numbers – are starting to come in in waves on uh, SIS, to the best of my knowledge. So some of these numbers may be a little different than what we just covered, and that's totally okay. You're still comparing it across the league. So notice that there's tight ends in there as well. There's one running back in there as well. If we sorted by receivers, Tim, he's probably going to climb up several spots and be in the top 20. I imagine there's others there in the top 18 off screen. But, again, 27th out of a top 160, right? With 160, the top 160 would be starting caliber as far as being a pass catcher. Now, when you go on down the line here, look who else pops up. Luke Musgrave, 45th. Guys, this includes receivers, tight ends, and running backs. That's pretty impressive that if you were to just play him at receiver, right, You if you, if you labeled every one of these pass catchers as receivers, he would be in the top 45 of pass catchers. That's the reason I wanted to do this is like – Let's put all let's, let's let's kind of narrow it down and go, okay, look, let's look at every single position and just how effective people are at catching the football. Luke Musgrave is coming in with a passer rating of 106.0 when targeted, 45th in the entire league. I'm telling you, man, he's the go-to guy. I should have sorted by completion percentage there as well, because I know he'd be toward the top there, but pretty cool stuff, man. And if you go on down, look at Dontavian Wicks, mm-hmm. late round pick, 54th at 103.8. Pretty impressive stuff, man. I don't know, dude. I'm excited. You got three. Again, what's this telling you, Tim? That your number one receiver right now is Jaden Reed, right? Your number two receiver is Dontavian Wicks, and Luke Musgrave is a top-tier pass catcher, especially when he's flexed out wide like a wide receiver. Um, I wouldn't mind to see him try to bolster the tight end room with a blocking tight end. Oh, I don't know, like a Mercedes Lewis. That would have been nice. But anyway, um, you can flex Musgrave out. You can stay in 12 personnel 
but use him flexed out. When you guys hear me complain about 12 personnel, you'll never hear me complain when Musgrave's flexed out because essentially he's a wide receiver. When they run their 12 condensed and he's lined up in the traditional Y, that's when I get frustrated. It's, okay, now he's got a block, leak, all those things. I want him stretching the field. I want him going down the seam on a skinny. I want him running that slot cross and leading the way with a backside dig from Tay or from Jaden Reed or from from Dobby or maybe even Dobby stretching the field. So um, pretty exciting stuff there, Tim. What do you think? I'm, I'm with you on that. And, um, you know, to your point, uh, you know, when you've got two good tight ends, especially uh, one that's sealing the edge and doing some blocking, you know, I like 12 personnel as well, and you can find success with it, but it's so vital that you get the right play out of those tight ends. And, you know, Tucker Craft had himself a, a, probably the best game he's had uh, this year, last Sunday. And if he continues to build on this and he can he can show that versatility and commit to being a good blocker in this in, in a 12 personnel set, I get excited. I get excited seeing uh, Kraft and Musgrave on the field at the same time in 12 personnel. Um, those guys could be complementary tight ends and be the perfect kind of kind of match for this offense, I think. Yeah, and I've been as negative as anyone about 12, but yeah. according to the 33rd team, they're starting to climb the ranks with their success in 12 personnel. And, again, removing the sifting, simplifying things. Also, what you've seen with that 12 personnel sometimes is you're seeing Musgrave lining up in that traditional Y and then him doing a speed, uh, a quick, what we call quick motion outside and, and get some separation that way, get that big boy moving in the opposite direction. So I think uh, that's, yeah. the, that's the key right there is, is with, in a 12 set like that or um, 12 personnel, you know, you can use uh, Musgrave like a receiver. You know, you're, you're basically utilizing him as a receiver and you got your other tight end that can get down and dirty, right? You know, you can't really do that, you know, out of 11 unless you're committing him to being a receiver or a blocker and you, you got the one tight end, right? So yeah. having two, having a one-two punch like that is uh, valuable to say the least. Yeah, no doubt. Um. Uh, Jarrell Lee or Gerald Lee, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, says, I really feel Luke Musgrave is one of the keys to our offense. Um, he is, man, and he's that go-to guy underneath. That's the big thing about Musgrave. Um, he is that go-to guy underneath. He's that security blanket that we always talk about quarterbacks need in the NFL. Favre early on had Shamore, right? He had Bubba Franks a little later. Um, Aaron Rodgers early on had Jermichael Finley. Of course, the injuries caught up, right? That's one thing that that Aaron never really had was a solid tight end. They tried they tried to make Richard Rodgers work, right? It yep. didn't really pan out. I mean, who would you say is the best tight end that Aaron Rodgers played with? Uh, Jermichael Finley, maybe? Yeah, and it was just for a short stint, right? Um, yeah. That's pretty wild. That uh, had a couple had darts to Andrew Cor Corliss when he was here, but I don't think anything super yeah, memorable. Cor Corliss made some – you remember Spencer Havner that year? Yeah. Oh my God, man. Spencer Havner like took over. I, I would never forget. He took over the message boards. They, there were so many presidents of the Spencer Havner fan club. They broke off in more factions than a Baptist church, man. I'm telling you right <laughs> now, it was rough. Um, all right, let's do this now. NFL yards per target. Okay. So these are the yards they average when being targeted, passing the football. Jaden Reed, 9.3. He's 29th in the league. Okay. Dontavian Wicks is 37th at 8.9. I'm telling you, you're seeing these two guys separate themselves. And I'm not saying they should supplant Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs had a heck of a game. That is your jump ball guy. That dude, you want him on the field every single snap if possible. But these two right here, they need more playing time. They really do. 
Um, if you go on down yards per target, one more one more check down here, um, you will find Luke Musgrave in the 64 spot with 8.0. Now keep in mind this includes running backs, tight ends, and everybody. So to put that in perspective with yards per target, the top 160 on this list are starting caliber. Okay, according to the key statistic that we're looking at, right? Jaden Reed is 29th of 160. Okay, <laughs> that's that's just blows my freaking mind. Dontavian Wicks is 37th of 160. What you're seeing is two starting caliber in these key statistics of yards per attempt or yards per target, rather. They're they're starting caliber, Tim. Like, I mean, not just starting caliber, but like borderline top 20. You know what I'm right. saying? That type of thing. When you take into consideration that we're including running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, everybody. Um, I don't know, man. I'm excited about the younger receiving core. I don't mean to gush over it too much, but I wanted to point that out on today's show and just kind of say, hey, look, um, there, there are some people that are still trying to pretend like Jordan Love has nobody to throw the football to, and the answers are right in front of our eyes. They really are. It's just we got to get away from forcing the ball to Christian Watson. Like someone said earlier in the chat, I apologize for not giving them credit, but we've talked about it on here too, man. I completely agree with that take. Uh, Nick McSwain, thank you for the super chat. He said, if y'all were in charge of making the game plan for the Lions game, how would y'all attack it? Man, that's a great question. I haven't watched the Lions tape yet. I will say this, that the last two times that we've lost to them, the key statistic was turnover differential. Um, Got to protect the football. What did we do last game to protect the football? You run a lot of curl flats, right? You ran a lot of curl flat with a snag or a uh, a snag or a dagger on the backside. And then you started mixing in that, like you said, that slot cross on the fly with the curl flat concept. You basically want Jordan Love to to play um, play calm, play comfortable. Don't ask him to do too much. Stop with the first down shot plays. They're not working, right? Work the middle of the field. When it's middle field open, work the middle of the field. Um, the key for me, Nick, is really, really simple. Stay in 11 personnel as much as possible. Make sure these young guys are on the field. Make sure Jaden Reed's on the field. Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson for the speed aspect. And we talked about it several weeks ago, Tim, that crosser. It's not working deep. Let's work the crosser. Let's work the speed crosser. They finally get it, got it into the game plan. Lo and behold, it works, right? Yep. And uh, go to Musgrave early and often, man. Get him involved. Because there's been some leaks open underneath, too, that Jordan haven't, hasn't taken. And like someone else pointed out in the chat, some of the statistics are showing that 10 yards and less, he's really accurate. Jordan's accurate, right? Let's take advantage of that. Let's play to our strengths. What do you think, Tim? How would you answer that question? Anything come to mind? Um, what you said uh, actually kind of goes hand in hand with my point. Um, it's going to be an uphill battle, but we have to run the ball. I'm with you on the whole first down. Let's stop. I mean, shot plays. Let's just stop throwing the damn ball in first down, please. <laughs> run the ball. Um, or, you know, like you said, the check down or the leak. I mean, that's an extension of the run game, really. I mean, yeah. you're getting that defense to commit and then you, you pop that ball out, you know, you, you, a lot of times the receiver's catching that ball in the backfield still or at the line of scrimmage, you know, you can manufacture a run game with the quick pass, with the short passes if you have to. Yeah. Um, you know, Dylan and Taylor are going to have their hands full against that Detroit front, although Detroit has been struggling uh, defensively as of late. I mean, they gave up a lot of points to the Bears <laughs> the other day. So, um, you know, I don't know. I, I think you have to commit 
to trying to run the ball, especially on early downs. And even if you're not finding a lot of success, you have to stay with it because when we got boat raced at Lambeau uh, the last time we played the Lions, that's exactly what happened. We we didn't even attempt to run the football in that game, if I remember correctly. And uh, it cost us dearly early on in that game. Uh, even after getting an explosive pick from Rudy Ford, you know, that first drive, I'll never forget that. They came out there and crapped the bed. Three straight passes, three and out, you know, inside the red zone. That There's no excuse for that. you got to mix in a run at least, right? You have to at least mix in the run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying an all-out overcommitting to the run because, you know, we're banged up. But we have to we have to commit to running the football, even if we're not finding a lot of success, because it will open up the passing game. Like, like we saw this happen – um, against the Chargers. Now, I know everyone wants to say the Chargers defense is, you know, cold booty in the winter. We understand that. But, you know, Detroit's a little bit better and going to provide a challenge. And one of the ways to soften that up is to take it right to them. Don't be afraid. You know, even if they're stopping the run, you got to stick with it. And maybe it's time to, you know, mix it up. If we can't can't run an inside zone, let's see if we can outside zone. Maybe maybe they can block for that. Um <laughs> Maybe some weak toss, strong toss. I don't know. We, but you have to at least have a run game if, you, if you're going to have a snowball's chance and you know what to beat Detroit on Turkey Day. So yeah. that's how I would do it. But, you know, there's a reason why I'm not making the game plan for the Lions game, right? So we'll see how that goes. This might be the better way to attack it. We said we were going to stay 40 minutes on or we're nowhere near it. I'm going to rattle through this real quick since Nick asked the question, okay? Let's look at how they rank offensively. Okay, they be in Detroit. Offensive points per game, they are sixth in the league at 27.2. Their last three, they're cooking at 32.7. Okay. At home, they're averaging 30 points a game. All right. Offense is playing, playing really, really good. NFL team points per play. Okay. So points per play, Detroit is eighth at 0.402. Over the last three games, they're at 0.480. Again, at home. Um, they're really, really good at 0.457. Offensive yards per play, they are uh, fourth in the league at 5.9. Their last three games, 6.7 at home, six. They're legit top 10, top five offense, right? So when you look at that, what's their weakness then, Ryan? Okay. Defense points per game, Detroit is 22nd. They're giving up 22.9 points per per game. Okay. To put that into perspective, Green Bay's given up 20.2 in the number 10 spot. Detroit is 22nd. Okay. So their defense is the weak spot. Um, opponents points per play. Detroit is looks like the chat's covering it up. Let me drop that down real quick, Nick. Sorry. Thank you for the super chat, Nick. Thank you for getting this conversation going, buddy. 26 in points per play at 0.379. Look at them over the last three game stretch, Tim. The defense is in a slump right now in Detroit. Um, Defensive yards per play, Detroit is 16th at 5.2. They've they've actually did pretty good in the last three games at 5.0. Again, I think points per play are more important important than uh, than the yards per play, but the yards per play, uh, definitely something you want to mention. So to answer your question, Nick, this this is going to be something the offense is going to have to win. You got to protect the football. You can't turn the ball over. You're going to have to block Aiden Hutchinson. Last time they got really creative moving him into the A and the B gap. So you got to be prepared for that. Every single play, it's Aiden Hutchinson is the mock. That's the way it needs. There needs to be a double team block on Aiden Hutchinson every single play. 
get the ball out of Jordan's hands. If they can get pressure on you with rushing four, Jordan's going to have a long day. But if you can, if you can buy some time back there and give those concepts time to the route combinations to open up, I think Green Bay can beat Detroit. I do. But again, the defense, our defense is playing really good right now, right? They played another good game against the LA Chargers. And I know the Chargers helped us in certain facets, but you got drops every game, right? If we're just going to cherry pick and say, okay, we're not allowed to appreciate a good defensive performance because they had drops this week, but when we have them, oh, no, we can't talk about that. Like, again, fan how you want to fan. But I think, uh, Tim, you got to come out here, man. You got to do what Green Bay does. They're a good red zone defense. You got to bend but don't break and let your offense abuse that defense. That should be the game plan going in. But it is going to be loud in Detroit, Tim. It's going to be so loud up there. Yeah, and we got to be on our P's and Q's with our, our signal callers, right? You know, we got to make sure the you know, we're communicating personnel groups. The plays are coming in. You know, that headset, you're going to see a lot of this. You're going to see a lot of hands on the ears trying to get that that play call. And uh, we, we have to be ready to adjust. And, you know, I'll be honest, if it's going to be that kind of hostile environment, that scenario, and this Detroit defense has kind of been struggling lately, they're looking for a get-right game at home here. Um, and – maybe running some tempo early in the game could help us too. Now, granted, you get, you increase your chance for, for mistakes. And we talked about protecting the football, but you know, we saw the chargers try that with us on Sunday and it kind of kept them in the game, kind of kept the momentum going for them. They ran some, uh, some tempo on us um, kind of out of the blue. And we got, we kind of got caught, you know, with our pants down, not able to sub and not able to adjust. And they got a few good plays that kept some drives going for them. Maybe we could take that same approach if we if we need to, you know. Maybe we try to run the ball. Maybe it's not happening. Maybe we go tempo, and just see if we can kind of get some momentum going and attack. That's that's the key. Is you know I always talk about this, man. We're not going to let anybody beat us on reputation, man. The games played between the lines. Um, we remember what happened last time these two teams played, but we don't care because this is a new game, and uh, it's all about getting it done on Thursday and. Um, you know, Derek Kay with the comment right here, if we could keep Detroit to 20 or under, we can win the game. I feel confident about that. And our defense has been doing it all year, right? Giving, giving the offense the ball, giving them opportunities to go out and win a game. You know, I'm going to go ahead and assume that, you know, let's let's be honest, right? We're either going to get boat raced again or it's going to be a nail biter and we're going to come out with a close win. So that's how I see it play, playing out. And uh, I just hope this team's ready, man. You know, and I – Banged up as we are, there's no excuses. Everyone's got injuries uh, in the NFL. So next man up, and uh, I vote for Temple. If things get things get hairy early, and we're seeing pressure on Jordan and all of these things, he's not he doesn't have time to get rid of it. Let's go Temple right away and run some quick short game and s- see what we can do. Right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, like you said, Nick McSwain saying, or I'm sorry, Nick McSwain in the chat says Myers can't be blocking ghosts again. <laughs> Completely agree with that. Which I think Myers had played played a lot better the last two weeks. Now, granted, the run, the uh, the pass blocking the week before was bad, but the run blocking was up this last week. The pass blocking was up. The run blocking was down, but not horrible. I think he was grading out somewhere in the 60s. So he might be turning the corner. Uh, like I said, I, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I want the guy to. I want him to you know, improve and, and be that guy, be that center of the future, especially with his size. It's so rare you get a center that big and that agile, but you just got to put it together for sure. Um, yeah, so 
Got a text from uh, Justin with Packernet Podcast this morning. This is cool. He said, random little bit of history for the pod if you want it. The Packers are 14-20-2 all time on Thanksgiving Day and 8-12-1 against the Lions. So 14-20-2, some people look at that and go, that's not good. I say we're due. (laughs) We are due. Let's go right there there with you, Clayton. Yeah, let's go out there and get that upset, man. That's the way I see it. So, all right. That being said, we're going to get out of here. We had a quick video we were going to play for you guys, but we're way over on time. We'll hit that on PTA Live tonight. Uh, also, I'll be back with Chalk Talk around two or 1 Central today. It should already be scheduled. So, uh, Tim, if you want to join me, you're more than welcome. Same thing with Emilio. Um, just don't feel obligated to do it because I'll be doing a ton of talking, rattle jawing. So um, it's kind of hard to have a conversation sometimes when, when you're having to focus on the tape that much. But, uh, yeah, with that being said, um, yeah, like people were saying in the chat, if you don't mind, hit that like button for us. That helps boost the algorithm. We'd really appreciate you guys uh, doing that. If you uh, if you like this type of content, we're going to keep it churning out. Just hit like so other Packer fans can find it as well. want to give a special thanks to the Super Chats. Thank you, Josh Martin. Thank you, Nick McSwain. Appreciate you guys supporting the stream. Chat Inc., congratulations joining the, uh, the PTA posse once again. Man, we'll get you into the next giveaway. Like I said, that next one's going to be uh, a uh, Dorsey Levens. Uh, jersey that's autographed we're going to be giving away it won't be this week because of thanksgiving it's going to be hard to do a post game show with all the family stuff going on but next week we will give away that dorsey levens jersey for sure so we may do a little charity giveaway too i'd like to do one of those soon we want to do what we can to make a difference so i've got some autographed memorabilia that maybe i can put up and say okay let's let's just randomly go pick a gofundme or whatever someone who's you know needing help and going, okay, anyone who donates to this from this day moving forward, you're going to be entered into a drawing to win an autographed piece of Packer memorabilia. That way we can kind of help someone else out and also give back to people um, that are listening to the show as well. So with that being said, we're going to get out of here. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. Um, As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go!